You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Create Photography Retreat. We are so excited to be part of the Create Photography Retreat again here in 2020. It's being held in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, October 14th to 17th. All the fall colors will be breathtaking, and there's so much to go and do. Hands-on sessions, you will get into your camera. It's going to be so much fun. A few of you wonderful master photography listeners have already taken the plunge and invested in yourself, and we're so excited to get to meet you. For the rest of you listening, there's still some tickets available. We'd love to have the retreat filled with master photography listeners, and you can get 10% off your tickets if you'll hit the show note link. And uh, before you're going over to createphotographypodcast.com, you can get 10% off by using that link. We'd love to have you there. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and I'm joined by my friend Brent Bergherm. Welcome back, Brent. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Yes, so exciting. Um, all right, so today in this episode, this might be a little shorter episode, um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how the conversation goes and what what's there. Uh, we, I just wanted to talk a little bit about. It's a bit of a, a trend recently in photography media. If you pay attention to all of the uh, media outlets out there, you know, Petapixel and F-Stoppers and, and all of the, the friends we have out there producing really good content. If you're not consuming the information available in those websites, you should check them out for sure. But um, there's a, a little bit of a trend that kind of comes and goes. I see this topic come up a lot in various things. And I've had a lot of questions too, both for photo taco and master photography. We've had questions because this seems like an inevitable, inevitable, easy for me to say (laughs) an inevitable thing. Um, as someone discovers like a shoe box of prints, (laughs) right. Yeah. Or a, uh, and maybe even it has negatives too. Like there's prints and then on the sides of the prints over shoved in the corner of the shoe box, there's like all these negatives that, uh, that were there. And, you know, you look at them, you're like, well, first off, most of the time, unless they, the, the people who shot that were actual photographers, most likely the image quality is terrible, right? (laughs) All of these prints. But the memories that might be there the too. That's the point. That's know? the point. These are like invaluable. Even though the the lighting is awful, the focus might not be great. You might have uh, motion blur because they didn't know what they were doing. You you had people that had film cameras. They put them on auto and they shot. That's that's all they knew to yeah. do, and they did. And then they get them developed and you didn't take that many photos because it cost so much to get the films de- you know developed that you uh but it's it's all you have for some period of time in your family's history your friends or whatever uh, whoever is discovering this this box of prints and so it, it, you know i I've, I've done this have you done that Brent? have you found a, a box of of images yeah, I still have some, you know, like from when my kid, my first kids were really little, we still have some like that. And for the most part, I've already scanned what I want to have digitized. But yeah, there's still stuff, stuff there that would probably be valuable to go back and just do the whole thing. But uh-huh. we have a little bit, yes. And then from my folks, oh my goodness, we have oh, right. so much stuff. Yeah. Right. Which is, I, I think, where that ends up happening a lot. Some, you know, either 
either uh, going through memories with your your parents, your loved ones, who that's all they had was film cameras and there weren't other options then. Um, and, and trying to go through those memories and, and, you know, they'll name the people in the photos cause they know, and maybe you don't and all of that right. stuff. It, it's really important to be able to have that. And those prints just aren't going to last forever. Or, or as I've done it, like I did this, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, um, with some of my parents prints and, and the negatives they had. I wanted to surprise them on a wedding anniversary. I think it was their 40th nice. wedding anniversary, if I remember right. Um, and I wanted them to. I wanted to surprise them by having like a slideshow, a little movie that I made out of those prints that we could show at that wedding anniversary, and um, and so I. <laughs> it took a lot of work. That was no small task, and it led to me doing um, some research. and And I later even did a podcast episode. We'll talk about in a little bit on Photo Taco in, in just a bit. But it's. It seems like this is a very common thing. And whenever a photographer runs into this, they come to their photography groups, whatever that is, and they that, that's where I see these periodic questions of people saying, okay, I just found this box. I really want to digitize these things, make it so that they're more accessible to all of the family because there's only the one print. Um, and maybe even edit like they, they're photographers who are used to editing, but they're used to all digital. So like, I'd really like to scan these in and then be able to use Lightroom Photoshop to get to bring the most out of these photos that we possibly can. And, uh, and so they always ask these questions. And what I usually see in the groups is like, yeah, good luck. That is a tough project. <laughs> it takes a long time. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's, and fails a lot, right? A lot of people <laughs> give up because it takes so long to do it. So what what's kind of come about recently in photography media is a process called wet scan for digitizing film, a wet scan process. And I've looked at this a little bit, Brent, and, and I am really confused by this. <laughs> Um, yeah, because it seems like it would be very destructive to the media, the original media. But I, let's let's talk about. It. So, will you f start off? You you happen to have done this with some of your students, you said. Yes, this quarter I have an advanced digital photography class with the students, and I've got I think six in class. And primarily, this class looks at defining them, finally lifting them up, defining them as a photographer. You know, what are they interested in doing? And we take these 10 weeks of the quarter and go through very detailed over and over with their shooting. And of course, we do the fine art printing that I love doing so much, too. So it's a, a twofold class. Well, I've always had these extra assignments and I decided I was going to boil. I was going to get rid of those other assignments and I was going to have them shoot film because only one person in class had actually shot film before mm -hmm. in a 35 millimeter format. And so when I was cleaning out one of our store closets, I found this old Graflex two and a quarter by three and a quarter inch film camera. And I was just like, this thing's in mint condition somehow. It's, you know, from the 40s. And how is it that this is still in mint condition? It's so awesome. And so I found on B&H some film to actually put into this. There's like one company that makes two different speeds of film, 100 and 400 ISO. And so we went and just had the students shooting this camera. And we didn't process the film because we've, over the years, gotten rid of our film processing <laughs> right, capabilities. Right. Yeah. And we could still do it, except for that 
fixer, you just can't dump that down the drain. So I sent it away for processing and we got them back. And then we started scanning them and looking at the scanning process. So one quick thing to be thinking about when you're doing wet scan film uh, scanning, this is not your quick. If you have a, a box of memories <laughs> that you want to do and you want to get it done in a weekend, yeah, this is not your process because this is going to take you probably an hour just for one shot, just for one, especially when you begin. Now, if you have a strip of, of negatives, you could scan that whole strip in one shot and, and that would be certainly efficient to do, but setting it up and getting it going, it's just, it, this is a very slow process. And the intention is that we're going to get the best possible scan out of this negative. And so a lot of fine art type folks will use it. A lot of folks who are just really, they just, you know, got to have the best. Well, this might be the best solution for you. It's just, it's going to take some time. So maybe something like I have this one image that I want to make sure I get the highest possible quality digital out of it. And maybe even like I'm going to be blowing it up, printing it huge, enlarging it. Um, then, Then this is a process for that specific scenario, not something you'd probably want to do for the whole box of photos. Probably, yes. Yeah. And even though still, your barrier to entry is quite steep because you have to have your scanner and you have to have the materials. Right. And, you know, the scanner is... You could probably get one for about $200, $250 or so, and you'd still be good. Uh, the top line is in the almost $1,000. So there's you know a bit of variance there in, in exactly which scanner you would get. But then you have to have these materials, and the materials are toxic. So you don't <laughs> want to be just gently handling these and be like, oh, I'll just throw that away in the trash kind of a thing, because uh, it can self-combust. If you just have a pile of rags tucked in the bottom of your, your trash can, those fumes could theoretically, and I actually know a cousin uh, who lives just north of me here a couple of hours, uh, they actually had this happen, not because of wet scanning, but because of other materials that were like this, where they're flammable. They spontaneously combusted and burned their house down. So this isn't something that you would just, you know, think about doing on a weekend or whatever. This is something you would do it with purpose and you would do it with uh, high expectations, but also that learning curve of getting in is also going to be pretty steep as well. Right. Okay. Let's, let's talk scanners for just a second. And then I'll yeah. get, then I want to get into like the process and what these materials do and, and everything, but okay. Yeah. Scanners. So like you said, there's, there's a range of them. Um, I saw recommended in some of this recent news or recent discussion in in photography media about this uh kind of two models that seemed to be recommended and and were decent um one of them is the epson perfection 800 scanner that one runs 900 bucks on amazon and then the epson perfection 600 is 200 dollars. that's a 700 dollar difference is there a big enough difference in image quality do you know about these two different devices enough anything about them to to tell us if if this is a big deal or not yeah so that 600 they claim to have an optical resolution of 6400 dots per inch which is pretty good but that's also what the 800 has right so when you're looking at it in just that um you know parameters whatever you want to call it 
when you're looking at optical resolution, sure, there's no difference. But you're going to have a difference in the light up above. And so there's going to be a difference between the size of film that you'd be able to to scan. And then also that 800 has a color, they're claiming anyway, <laughs> a color depth of 48 bits. Mm-hmm. And what's really important to us is what we call the D-Max, or basically that's just a way, a fancy way of saying the dynamic range of the scanner. Uh-huh. And um, that 600 was uh, 3.6, I think it was. And I'm looking it up now. And 3.4, sorry. So that has a D-Max of 3.4, and the 800 has a D-Max of the um, 4.0. So this is just a range. It's not really equivalent to thinking of dynamic range of stops or anything like that. It's just a different kind of mechanism that says this is how much defined in the shadows and highlights it can go. And you the bigger the number, the better, for sure. Mm-hmm. And a D-Max of four on a scanner is definitely very good. Uh, I At work here, I've got a 700, a okay. V700, so just the predecessor to this V800. Right. And it's also 6,400 dots per inch. And of the films that I'm scanning, this scanner definitely has more dynamic range than what the film has itself. So when you're in the scan software, you can take a look and see exactly where those tones are coming in, and then you can set your your values and whatnot. And so the scanner is definitely a wider gamut, shall we say, than these black and white films that we're scanning. I haven't done color, so I, I can't speak to the color films on that, on that item there. Uh-huh. Okay, so there is a difference. I, as I was looking at the two, so one of the differences I noticed in the spec sheet <laughs> on Amazon, um, it said that the Perfection 800, the Epson Perfection 800, has two lenses that you can choose from, which I think was because there's one lens for a, a print that is lying directly on the glass of the scanner versus right. uh, a negative that you have to like put in a holder and that's slightly elevated above the scanner. And then, yes. and so now you need a different lens with a different focal point to make sure that that gets sharp focus on the negative. Is that, is that right? Hugely important piece of information there. And that's part of the process that we were going to talk about too. But yes, that, so that's going to be certainly driving your cost up on the hardware, but hugely important. Now, reading from B&H's site, you know, it says dual lens system automatically selects a 400 DPI optical resolution for reflective or 6400 for film holders. Uh-huh. So there's there's that difference too where you have when you're doing the reflective print items, you're at 4800 DPI and then you have the higher res when you're doing the film. Gotcha. And because it has the ability to move that that focus point just a little bit, that's hugely important, which I've very much found out uh, when I went through my first process of, of doing the scan. Okay, so there's a reason for that price difference. And if you want to do negatives, you really need the 800. The, the Perfection 600 at $200 is really only going to be good for prints. It's not going to be good for negatives. Even though there's negative holder you can get, it doesn't have that second lens. It's not going to do as good a job. Yeah, and they're the light that so the lid, you know, on a a scanner, you have this lid that folds down and holds the material flat. And so a standard scanner will just have a flat lid and just nothing big deal with it. These lids have a light that moves along with that scan head and that light in 
the 600 is much smaller. You can only scan up to medium format film. You couldn't do your 4x5 or your 8x10 like you can with the bigger scanners, gotcha. with, with the more expensive scanners. Okay, what about... so I. I've had an Epson scanner in the past. It wasn't one of these perfection models. I don't even know what version. It was a long time back. Um, mainly because of scanning documents was what I was using it for. Sure. And um, and it did fine for that. You know, you, you put it in and it scanned. And then I I abandoned it because really, like, actually the reason was because I couldn't get drivers for it anymore. <laughs> they, oh. <laughs> they seem to put out these machines and then they neglect them very quickly. <laughs> After a while, the other just like, yeah, we can't support that right. anymore. You need to buy a new one. Right. Yeah. That's the answer is no. If you want to use a modern computer, you're going to buy a new model because we're not supporting all these old scanners. Um, and so so my experience, it, it was tough. I, I think, I don't remember. This was so long ago. It seems like I did use that for, or use something like that for scanning the prints that I said I did for my, my parents' 40th wedding anniversary. But no, I don't know. I can't remember what scanner I used now. What about um, like multifunction printers are, are very common these days. I have sure. one from HP. It's got a scanning capability. Does that compare maybe with like the Epson Perfection 600 or are they even like less quality than that? Do you know? I would say they're totally less quality because they're going to be geared towards that quick reproduction of your flat reflective work. And we're looking for being able to shine a light through it. Uh, through the material and being able to hopefully focus on those film grains and grab every little dot of information that yeah. we can grab out of it. So yeah, when you have a multi-use device, you most likely won't have the light that goes along with it. So you can scan the transparencies even to begin with. And then even just the scanning mechanism, I would say is just not going to be as quality as, as what we're dealing with here in this V800 photo scanner. So it might get you through your shoebox of prints and and be better than nothing for sure. But sure. But if you're looking Abs- for the absolutely. ultimate quality, which is kind of what we're talking about in this episode is the ultimate quality, you, you there's an investment in hardware to be made. <laughs> you yeah, need this, absolutely. this Epson Perfection 800. Now, and you said you the 700 is what you have at the school. That's actually what I saw yeah. recommended, but it doesn't seem to be available <laughs> right the, the 800 it, replaced it a few been, years yeah, ago it's replaced it so that's that's why that one's not available anymore um all right so there's there's but it the still works on my machine <laughs> there you go which is good that's that's good to hear that they've at least still supporting that one yeah yeah even on cat on uh, mac os catalina do you know uh, i have not upgraded to catalina okay. so i i can't answer that's probably that. good <laughs> that's probably good Okay, so um, so there's that. What about there's another scanner? I just want to ask you briefly about. There's those scanners where they like suck the prints through them, right? The they're like sure. they're almost handheld. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Where they just have these rollers and it just kind of goes feeds it, feeds it on in, and yeah, it's looks like spins a, it out the other side. It looks like a little bar, kind of just a, a yeah. thin bar. The photo goes through it. Usually, you can put like an SD card into this little handheld scanner thing and all the images just get scanned to the SD card. Um, Do you know how those compare? Do you have any experience with those? I actually don't have any experience with those. And I would very much look into that if I had a, this is the kind of thing where if I had that big shoebox of 500 prints or more, I would totally look into something like that because that's going to be quick and easy. It will digitize them 
very fast, get you your JPEGs you need, and then you can quickly distribute them to your family. That would definitely be a, a good solution for that type of thing, I think. Plus, importing them into like Lightroom for some minor modifications. I mean, we're not sure. talking about serious resolution or anything here, but right. a quick like, oh, this is like, you know, a little bit overexposed. If I could just tone it down a touch, that would really make a big deal, a big difference. Um, yeah, now it's it's on an SD card. So it's like you're importing your pictures, except they're JPEG. There's no RAWs. And right. and then you can use Lightroom and, and adjust all these these photos with all the Lightroom tools that you've gotten, you know, red eye fixing, all that kind of stuff. That would be that's kind of a cool option there. Yeah, I, I think that would be my preference too in trying this out. But we're going to talk about a couple of other options sort of towards the end of the episode. Okay, so let's assume we bought the Perfection 800. We spent, we laid out the 900 bucks to get that thing <laughs> because yeah. we have this like really important print and or negative that we want to be able to scan at the very highest quality. This is like critical and it's worth the expenditure. So let's just make that assumption right now. Um, what, what is this wet scan process from there where you've got the scanner now? What do you, what are you doing as this process for wet scan? So what you do is first off, certainly clean your negative really well. But the basic overview is you have the liquid that you put on the glass, you put the negative down, and then you put liquid on top of the negative, and then you put a clear mylar sheet over that, and then you scan it. Oh my. Now, the reason that you do that is because if you were to just take that negative and slap it on the glass, you have that glass to plastic contact. And where you have those various contact points, you get these things they call Newton rings. And when the, you have those Newton rings, it's impossible to easily, I guess, uh, get rid of those. And so those will just ruin your your shot. You'll ruin your negatives. That's why the scanner comes with these negative holders. So it suspends it up above the glass just a little bit okay. and allows you to get that. But then, of course, you have the natural curl of the film, and that keeps you from being able to get the perfect scan because that depth of field of that scan head is so shallow and you're going to have some areas in that scan that are going to be potentially out of focus, even though your shot is in focus, it'll be out of focus in the scan. And that's the problem you run into then. Okay. So let's, let's hold on. Let, let's unpack all that. <laughs> yeah. That was an overview. <laughs> now we need to unpack all yes, that. Yes. Okay. So let's start with the print. Do you do this with a print? You talk through, and it makes sense to me that maybe a negative could survive this process, but yeah. we're putting liquid on a print. Is that right? No, I would never do this okay. with a print. All right. <laughs> okay. I just wanted not, to make sure I understood Definitely not that. in a million years. <laughs> All right. That's good. Because I was like, man, this sounds like destroying a print to me. Uh, yeah. Or even making the ink run or just go to scan. That wouldn't work. Okay. So this is really for negatives only, this process. If you could do this with water, you could probably successfully do this maybe with a print, but I wouldn't want to do that. It, because you know your your photo papers those are technically waterproof because they go through the bath right they yeah. they have survived all of that liquid as they're being okay. processed and i just can't imagine that would make any sense to do it with a print though yeah. no okay all right that that was i was reading stuff i was like wait a second they're doing with those prints that doesn't make sense to yeah. me yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is for negatives 
Um, a negative holder. Now I've seen negative holders. I have even, I'm pretty sure when I bought the little crummy Epson scanner years ago that I got rid of, um, I'm pretty sure it had like an optional negative holder that came that didn't come with it. I had to pay extra for it. It wasn't much to do it, but, but I had to pay extra for it. Are there different options with these things? Does it matter what kind of holder you have? Yeah, it does, because these different films certainly have different parameters and whatnot. And so the scanner is going to come with some of those uh, some of those holders uh, for you already. Okay. Uh, basically, what they're going to do, what they say it comes in the box with this 800, it has a 35 millimeter strip film holder. So, you know, you have your standard five or six frames from a 35 millimeter film. And so it's going to have a holder that will fit it onto the scan bed in a particular location so it knows right where it's at. There's little holes on the side that it can, you know, kind of almost snap into, but that's really not the... It just sets into these little holes on the side so it's aligned properly, everything is square and all that other good stuff. Uh, So you have to hold that different in a different way than you would if you had 35 millimeter mounted slides or if you had medium format or if you had four by five. So all these different types of films need to be held in their own special way. And so if you're going to do a dry scan process, you would use any of those items. Okay. Okay. So if you're going to do wet scan, you're not going to put it in a holder? That's correct. Okay. All right. I think I'm starting to follow this. That's good. <laughs> to, to, to a, I'm, I'm going I'm to go against myself in about <laughs> a minute and a half here, though. Okay. <laughs> because right. we're going to talk about the oopsie I did, and then I'm going to talk about a holder for wet scanning. Okay. So, um, now, when when I got that cheapy scanner with the film holder, I'm pretty sure that if I remember right, the negative holder, it it was you know just a thing of plastic that you put yeah. your your and like had a an entry point to get it in there. So it would, it would try to prevent it from curling, right? It would right. It would try to hold it flat. And so you like slide it into the holder. And then if I remember right, this scanner was cheap enough. It didn't really have a slot. You know, there was no guidance on where to put it. You could put it anywhere on that flatbed scanner and then scan. And so it totally makes sense that in a a real scanner, (laughs) a real high quality scanner, it's going to be like, no, no, no. You need to put it right here to make sure we get the exactly. very best possible scan. And then I guess that's it's that second lens that's going to do it at that point. Is that right? Right. So on the on this 800 when you activate the the negative scanning option in the software, it turns on the light that's in the lid and then it also activates that second okay. reading element that has the higher resolution and is focused a little bit above the glass plane and that's where it can grab the focus from the film because it knows where the film should be if you have it in this film holder ideally it's all calibrated and you can get it right where you need it to be and you'll get everything in focus is it so sensitive that like in shipping if it got jostled around you might have a problem I don't think that I don't think that would be the case because whenever you have a new scanner uh, and you unpack it, there's a lock mechanism that you have to unlock, and it's a fairly robust item that okay. holds that thing in place. And then when you release it, so it can move back and forth, yeah, then it's loose and, and everything's ready to go. Uh, but in shipment, because it's locked in place, uh, it would have to be a pretty solid 
you know, banging around okay. for it to. I guess yeah, that makes maybe sense. that's what FedEx does to everything. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, but, that, that makes sense. For nine hundred bucks, that's probably something they've thought of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So, so if you're going to do dry, you get this scanner. You get it comes with the film holder, a, a few different sizes of film holders too, right? I think I yeah, saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you you like slide it in there, put it on the scanner, do the scan. Do you scan with the software? Um, that comes with the scanner or using Photoshop to do this? How are you scanning the negatives, like the software? Yeah, so, so the, there's, there's two pieces of software you could use. I, um, both of them are from Epson. And so there's Epson scanner, uh, and then shoot, I forget the exact names of them, but there's, there's one, uh, Epson scan utility and Epson scan two version two of it. Uh, that's, uh, kind of a basic one, but the, the one that actually is on the support page. So if you, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, um, epson.com slash support. And you, you look for your, your scanner there. That actually is the piece of software that allows you to select the film holder itself. So this is the better software because again, with that film holder, uh, you need right. to use that other lens and you have to know that it's at that certain level, uh, of, height above the glass so that you can get an in-focus scan. Okay. And then it's going to convert it from the negatives to a normal looking image for you. Yeah. And then it will, you hit the preview button and then you, it goes and it scans, you know, a quick, very low res just for on-screen viewing. And then you can take a quick look, you draw your little marquee around it and you know that's where your image is. And and then you can set all your parameters for what you want to do. And so it senses where it is when you hit the scan button itself, that's where it takes a long time because that high resolution just takes a long time to scan. I have used an, uh, Maybe it was that cheapy Epson I bought a long time ago. I can't remember now, but there's that marquee mentioning that made me remember this. Man, that was a slow process. I was doing yeah. I was doing prints, not negatives. And I remember at one point using this where I could put like, you know, four of those normal, I think they were three by five prints or something like that. And I could put a few of them on there and I figured I'm saving a bunch of time. But then I had to like manually marquee select all of those images and um, I think there was a detect button so that it would try to detect yeah. where the edges were, but it didn't. It wasn't accurate enough, and I ended up having to to change them. So man, it went slow using that. Again, that's why I think if I had the shoebox full of prints, I'd much rather use that handheld scanner. It's not going right. to be the same quality like we're talking about, but it's going to be way faster for the box. So there is also the problem that you have with that. If you ha- if you do have it where it detects all these extra marquees and you're able to draw, let's say, these four marquees around these four pictures, right. and that's where it knows where these images are, it treats those still as four individual right. items. Right. So it's still going to scan them separately. So let's say you, know, you have two right next to each other. Well, that's going to take two scans worth where you could have it in one scan's worth if you just scanned them together. Uh-huh. In the same marquee. And Photoshop actually has a function. I'm trying to look for it right now. But Photoshop actually has a function that will detect those separate images from a scan like that, crop them out automatically, put them in separate photos, and you're done. Right. So it would be better to scan the whole scan bed at once and then just run them through Photoshop and say, separate these for me, please. Right. And uh, it might be under image trim, but I can't remember 
it's been so long since I've used that function, but there is a function I know that I've uh, had that before and, and used that right. in the past for doing that. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's off topic. Let's get back to <laughs> the, the scanning. A little bit. <laughs> um, okay. We, now, now let's go through the wet, the wet process. Cause we've done dry now with negatives. It's, you know, negative holder and uh, the software is going to convert it from a negative to a normal image. How do you do the, what is the wet process now? There's a, you, you said first there's like a liquid you're putting on the glass itself. Yes. So here's, here's what you do. Basically you go to the, we have the link in the show notes. There's this company out of California called Aztec, A-Z-T-E-K dot uh, com. And they sell all of these items. And what you want is the scanner mounting fluid with anti-static pro- properties. And then the first thing they say right in their description is never use oil again, because so frequently we think about using oil when we do this. Well, this is still very flammable and it's still you know a toxic uh, the item, but it evaporates so quickly and it's so awesome uh, because it does that. So when you're done scanning, you just literally just pick up your film and give it about 10 seconds it's totally clean. You can just put it away and it's all good. But you get that uh, you get that liquid. You fill up your little squirt bottle. Uh, and then you, you're able to just put a nice little bead, if you will, of liquid there on the glass. And a lot of people are like, uh, don't do that. Because, <laughs> right. you know, you're, you're putting water on your li- water or the liquid, <laughs> liquid on yeah. your very expensive $900 piece of material. <laughs> right. What if it happens if it gets into the edges and whatnot? And so there's two things for that. So first off, what I did is I took a really nice sealing tape and put it all the way around that glass edge. So if the liquid got to there, the tape would at least slow it down. Uh, But the other thing is actually, if you're wet scanning, you actually shouldn't be putting it directly onto that scan bed glass that's there in the scanner. That's because it's going to be out of focus. And that's the first thing I did was I, I put it on that scan bed right there and um, because I didn't have the right software and I couldn't use the right setting. So I was like, well, I'll just do this anyway. And I used the other software, told it to be uh, to scan a negative. Okay. And it still was like, nope, it's going to be out of focus because it's using that different lens, right? Okay. So I I set it all up and I scanned it and it was massively out of focus. I was like, either that image is really terribly out of focus <laughs> and I just, you know, stink as a photographer or something's going on with my scan technique. Uh-huh. And so uh, I looked into it further and I decided I need this other item. It's about 60... somewhere in there. And they call it the Epson fluid mount tray. And so this thing is for the V700, 750, 800, and 850 scanners. And so what you have is another piece of glass, basically. This is where you prep your work. You can then take this tray and set it onto the scanner, and then it scans off of that, and everything's happy. Everything's good to go. So let's basically start from there. So now that I've moved us away from applying directly to the scanner, but now we have this additional item that costs us another $80 or so. Actually, it says add to cart for price. So I'm going to look it up. Oh, 54.85. So it's not too bad. (laughs) Um, 
this item also has grid lines on it, so it allows you to line up your negatives so it's square. That's really beautiful, where if you would apply it directly to the scanner, you can't do that. You just guess, okay. and hopefully it's square. Is that a big deal? Is being square a big deal? Well, it kind of is because... You know, pixels are square, I guess, is the only, and each line that's being captured. So if you don't scan it exactly straight, you're going to have to rotate it a little bit. And so you have yeah. that interpolation okay. of the image going that direction with it. But, you know, we do that all the time with corrections in Lightroom and whatnot. So it's probably not a big deal. But it's nice, you know, so you're not completely all cockeyed. Right, but anyway, right. so you can line it up mostly. Uh, but you're also just keeping all that liquid off of your scanner. So that's another nice benefit for this device. And then it uh, suspends the negative at the right height. So ideally, anyway, you get focusing right there on the emulsion of the film. So you put the liquid down on this glass platter. Okay. And this is a very fast evaporating liquid. So you want to make sure that, first off, you've cleaned it really well. And Aztec also sells great cloths, anti-static, anti-lint cloths that you can clean the surfaces really well. And then you put that liquid down, you then put your negative on top of it. And so what we're relying on then is that that liquid tension, that, that surface tension of whatever you want to call it, of the water, yeah. you know, it'll spread all the way out on, on, you know, across the whole face of the negative. And hopefully you put enough liquid there so you don't have any air bubbles underneath it or anything like that. And if you do have air bubbles, you can still, in a moment, kind of push them out. It's not a big deal. But you would want to bend the negative a little bit so it's got a, a curve so the center of the negative hits the liquid first. And then you let your negative go with your middle finger. So like if you're holding the negative between your middle finger and your thumb and you use your index finger to push the center out, then you would put that down on the glass, release it with your middle finger and thumb, and then it's just going to kind of snap into position. Okay. And because you have that liquid where it's just allowing it to kind of scooch you around, you know, maybe it's not perfectly aligned. Well, you can just easily align it, you know, move it around a little bit because it's got that liquid that's allowing it to slide. Uh -huh. And then you do the whole thing all over again because Aztec will also sell you the other item you need. And this is a clear overlay. It's a, a Mylar clear plastic overlay. So you really need to sandwich that puppy super flat. And that's the whole purpose of getting it super flat and super just level, everything level with that piece of glass. And I assume then between those two things, that's going to help the curl problem because that... Absolutely. Is that right? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then you... You have the negative already mounted. You have, uh, you then put more liquid on the back side of the negative, and then you take your clear mylar and you lay that over it. Wow! <laughs> at that at that time, and hopefully you're wearing some kind of gloves if you're, especially if your skin is sensitive to these materials. Yeah. You're wearing. I have um, not the latex, but the others. The what's the other glove? Anyway, the plastic glove. Um, that you know, just keep the stuff off your fingers, but. Then you can take your soft cloth. If you have air bubbles or too much liquid, you can take that soft cloth and you can go from the center and gently push out towards the edge. And then as that extra liquid comes out, it just soaks up into the cloth and you just don't want too much liquid because then you're going to have this bubbling or rippling effect. And that kind of defeats the purpose. We're going for a complete flat, complete you know, suspension, as it were, uh, of that negative so it gets the best quality scan possible.
okay so but as you're pushing down on that negative isn't it going to push all of the water or all the liquid out from underneath it yeah you don't want to push so hard that you're like squeegeeing everything out you just want to push hard enough that you're getting the excess out and it takes a little bit of finesse uh (laughs) to understand practice is probably the best way to put it uh i had to do four i think scans before i started having confidence in what i was doing and this just takes so long yeah (laughs) Because when you're scanning at 6400 as well, it's just like, oh, this thing takes forever. When you, especially, I have um, some four by fives that I shot when I was in college, and so I use those as an example in class too. And it's it came out good. I have a, I'm looking right now at a roughly 17 by 22 print. Actually, I think it's 16 by 20. Uh, it came out pretty good. I still have some more technique to do uh, to get it even sharper and whatnot. But I was like, well, I'm gonna just see what it looks like and. I was like, okay, that almost competes with the silver gelatin print, you know, the standard photographic print that I have hanging on my wall at home. But that's my purpose. My my goal would be if I could do this process and get a really awesome print out of it, right. that would just be so amazing. So anyway, back on track with this. Once that's all done and you have everything set up on your negative, you take there's on this fluid mount item, you take the little handles, you just pick it up and it's wonderfully calibrated. If you want to call it that, you just put it on the scan bed and it has little markers to line it up and it's, it's great. And then you just put the lid down and you go to your scan software and you scan it. Now in the scan software, you just want to make sure you select the correct option that says negative in film holder. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it knows to focus properly. And then you get your preview scan. And then there are so many different um, selections to make with regard to sharpening and all sorts of stuff. And if you have a color correcting for color and all that kind of stuff, uh, since this is a black and white that I'm doing, uh, the only thing I want to do is set my black point and my white point. Right. And I get that as accurate as possible with a little bit of fudge room because I probably would rather have Photoshop take care of the final final rendition, so to speak. Uh-huh. And then it allows me to scan in 16 bits uh, for, the, for the black and white channel. And I'm able to uh, grab all that information and bring it in and looks pretty good. So really you have what looks like a Photoshop levels item. So if you were to do any image in Photoshop and hit command L or control L if you're on a PC, you hit that and it brings up this histogram with these sliders along the bottom. Uh, You have what they call the in values and the out values. You have the same exact selections here in the scan software. So you can tell, and then they have the center slider, which is the gamma correction. So you can tell the scanner, where the black point is on this negative and where the white point is, and then what should be the output black and white points. And then you have that on the input, you have the the gamma slider, so you can select how bright those midtones are going to be. Then you go hit the scan button and, well, set your resolution, then hit the scan button and you're ready to go. Just like that. <laughs> just like that. It took so long to just talk about it think about when you're actually doing it yeah yeah and practicing and oh my goodness okay so and 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 tutoring six students through this whole process oh it's so fun but anyway (laughs) and and i'm sure there's value in doing that they can really appreciate then the the process and that's it's kind of cool i'd like to do it just 
for the experience. I, everything yeah. I do with photography, just remotely related, helps me learn and helps me to improve. So I, I'd love to do, but there's no way I'm spending $900 on a scanner. So. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have a special session at the Create Photography Retreat on this. Oh, you pack a scanner and... and uh, l- l- listeners can let me know if you're going to Create Photography Retreat and you're all like, I have to see this. Let me know. Maybe we can do that. Okay. That would be pretty fun. Yeah. All right. So, Brent, how do they let you know? <laughs> so, email me. Um, Brent at LatitudePhotographyPodcast.com would be probably the best way. Or in the, any of the Facebook groups. Master Photography Facebook group, my Latitude Photo Facebook group. Any of those would be fine. Okay. Even in the Create Photography Facebook group. Yeah. Just let me know somehow, some way that you'd be interested. And I would... I would seriously consider figuring out how to get my scanner down there to South Carolina. If there was interest. Uh, okay. Somehow, some way. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So let, let him know if you've got some some digital negatives that you'd love to see done via this wet bar process so you can get... is And that was going to be my next question. Is it really worth all this effort? Like, is the image quality that you that results from this... So much different people looking be at two different digital images would be like, oh my goodness, that wet bar one is so much better. So it's supposed to be yes. <laughs> I I cannot claim that I have enough experience at doing this to be definitive in saying yes, okay. but I definitely want to keep looking at it because here the, the two things that we have going on that I, as I look at this process and I'm just like, okay, if I'm a... Uh, you know, quality freak, and I just want everything to be just perfect. What are the things that are in the way of getting the best quality out of this? Okay, first off is is that level where that where that uh, negative is being suspended on that piece of glass? Is that the optimal height for this scanner? Maybe it needs to be a little higher. Maybe it needs to be a little lower. All right. Now let's also think about we have two pieces of glass that we're reading through. So that can cause distortion too. How can I get rid of some of those pieces of glass? And so I actually have found there's a guy that makes another one of these fluid mount units for this scanner and and other Epson scanners that actually suspends the film on the bottom side of it. So you eliminate one of those panes of glass that you're having to scan through in order to get your image. So that would theoretically create even greater quality. Plus, it has fine-tuned adjustment screws so you can lift or lower it so you can get it perfectly in focus. And I'm just looking at that. I'm like, I want that (laughs) because it just gives me extra ultimate control over everything. And then I started looking at my scanner the other day and thinking, okay, if I get this item where I can control the level, you know, the exact level of height of where that negative is being held, what if I were to remove that piece of glass that's actually in the scanner already? Oh, my and then I would have no glass in the way. I just have that one little thin piece of mylar because, of course, you have the glass that's suspending it, but that's behind the negative and you're not focusing there. The yeah. light is coming through that, but you're focusing on what the negative is. You're not focusing on the negative through the glass. So you don't have that glass distorting the image. You only have the basically you have just the emulsion right there and then the mylar is going to be on top of it. So you have the mylar only in the way. And it's just like, okay, that would give me even better potential quality because I'm not distorting it. The more glass I go through, the more distortion I have. 
is it worth it to go through all that problem? Um, it might be a, might turn into a summer project because wow. I think that would be really fun to try <laughs> out and see. Can I get just that spot awesome focus for that scan itself? Now, another thing I want to do a shout out for is uh, photographer Ben Horn. He's out of San Diego. I did uh, an interview with him on my Latitude show a few months back. He shoots eight by ten. He shoots negatives and. Uh, slide transparencies on his eight by 10 camera. He does not use this process. Uh, he has, he built his own holder for the eight by 10 that simply suspends it at that right height. Uh-huh. And so it's technically a dry mount process, but it's still not touching the glass. That's the biggest thing. When you have that plastic film touching that glass, you get those Newton rings. And so that's the biggest problem you're dealing with. Uh, he's selling his prints that way. Uh, I'd, don't think he gets them larger than eight by ten, though. So, as far as the enlargement side of things is concerned, uh, yeah, that's that's the where I want to be able to print big. So, like for instance, with this one that I did, this four by five, I have it printing sixteen by twenty. Looks good. I think I can still do better because I know there's better detail in that negative because I have something to compare it to already on my wall uh-huh. at home. And that's what I want to be able to do. I don't want to just be able to make contact prints. I want to take a four by five camera out and make these nice 16 by 20s that are really awesome. But, you know, when you're scanning 6,400 dots per inch, that's so much information. It's way overkill. You don't need that much for even just making a 16 by 20 but what it does is it allows photoshop to do its magic to give you the best quality possible when you're reducing the the pixel count there to get that 16 by 20 size okay so anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so much fun and i've just been having a ball with it this quarter Uh, and barely being able to stay ahead of the students uh, as the assignment is coming due or you know to be uh handed out to the students and whatnot uh been scrambling a couple of times but it's been a lot of fun to to make this to make this process work (laughs) i'm glad you could come on and talk about it because i wouldn't be able to speak to this at all so that's that's good (laughs) um okay so now let's move on from from that now if if there's photographers who want to try to use their camera for this yeah there's some decent ways to be able to do that there are um I did a photo taco episode with Chris Markhart of the Tips from the Top Floor podcast. Uh, it was back in October 2018, but things haven't changed in this area since then. So, so nope. your <laughs> the advice is still perfect. And I I called it the ultimate guide to digitizing prints and negatives. And uh, so this is not using a scanner, so not having to to expend the money to buy a scanner uh, or any of these chemicals. Which I was just reading a little bit while you were talking there, Brent, it's, I guess it's kerosene. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah. It smells like kerosene for sure. Yeah, it's kerosene. So yeah, highly flammable. This is... Maybe I could just go down to Home Depot and just buy some kerosene. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I assume there's like a little refinement or something happening Pro- with these liquids probably. somehow um, so that it's not just generic kerosene. But yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> I'm seeing some people saying, be so careful, this is kerosene. That's, wow. Yeah, that that's a dangerous chemical. So, yeah. <laughs> so be careful. But if you don't want to deal with any of that stuff, you want to use your camera because you have a camera that's got a high, high megapixel count. It's got a serious sensor in there. 
And so you, you can really uh, do some impressive things. Now your challenge though is how do you hold that negative still? How do you uh, hold your print still so that you can, you can do it and how do you light it? Uh, so that, yeah. it, you know, especially on a glossy print. And so we talked through all of that stuff. Chris and I did about that. And, um, Chris had, I invited him to come on the show because he'd mentioned it in his podcast that he had done a whole bunch of negatives and he'd scanned them himself. So I was like, well, um, I'd love to have you come on and tell us about that. So he did. He was very nice. Great guy. Um, and Chris did a, a wonderful job talking through it. So I'll have a link to the show notes to that. If, if you're interested go through kind of uh, more budget sorts of things that you can use because you have the most expensive part already with your camera. So there's a couple of little things you can get and, and make it a practical deal and something you could you could do uh, with your camera. And that might be an, a, an alternative approach of getting a really high resolution negative scan would be using your camera to do it instead of a flatbed scanner. Um, I don't know how that compares with wet process here, but um, you know it's interesting. Yeah, I would think just because of simplicity for for me, if I were looking to do 35 millimeters, I would never do the wet scan. Uh-huh. For me, it's about the medium format and larger because you just have more quality there anyway. Yeah. And your options for digitizing those are becoming fewer and fewer. But for 35s, something like this. Oh, yeah, I would totally do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I, I haven't done that myself. I, that's why I had Chris come on and talk about it and the options there. But if if you wanted to take a few images, and again, I, I think your best option if you have a box of prints would be something more like that handheld scan. I'll put a link to one of those in the show notes. Um, that's probably your best option just because it's such a big process and you don't want to like give up <laughs> in between. It's really important to get those things scanned and digitized. So use the t- optimal tool, the one that's going to go the fastest. Now, saying that, there is one other option I want to make everyone aware of. <laughs> this came from a listener who listened to the Photo Taco episode, and and they put in the comments there on that episode a link to this company that um, has a really super expensive solution that can turn your camera into a really fast scanner for both um, slides and negatives. So they don't, it doesn't do anything for prints. I don't think as when I went and looked at the site, but for slides and negatives. So (laughs) what they've done is they, they, and I think it's included in part of the price with the slides. There's a Kodak slide projector included in, in this thing. And then they've created a mount that can attach your camera to that slide projector and be able to use that to scan negatives or scan the, the uh, slides. It is $3,795 for that. Oh, I'll take seven. The, uh, oh, no, sorry. That's that's the slide snap strip. That's the one that does the negatives. Negatives, is yeah. Is $3,795. And with that, you can scan 30 images a minute, <laughs> which is a lot. That is. That is a ton of images. So, wow, that is pretty cool. It's really speedy. It would probably produce amazing quality of yeah. those. Um, but that is quite the price tag to get there. So I don't know. I, I, I've the same person who commented in the photo taco episode said they rented one of these machines. And I don't think oh. this company does rentals, but someone apparently does. 
Uh, and then, you know, over a weekend, that's all they needed. They scanned everything and then send it back. And that sounds like nice. a really cool option to be able to do that. So I, I don't know where they rented it. They didn't mention it, but, um, but you could maybe Google for that. And then they, the slide snap pro, that's the one that actually does the slides. It is $300 cheaper. It's $3,495 and the same 30 images a minute. So pretty fast to be able to do some slides too. So those are some options. Just, I wanted to make sure people were aware of sharing resources of things that are out there. The other thing that I wish I could do someday, I just don't have enough negatives to really give it a good test. Uh, there are of course labs or services where you could send off your prints or your negatives and have them get, they, they'll digitize them and then send back the originals. Um, I've never used a single one of those services. I, I've had that question more than any other. I think as yeah. as someone stumbles across a box of, of prints and negatives, then they they come to the group hoping that someone else has already done the research or had a good experience with some company, and um, and then they're always concerned. Like one of the concerns is, well, I'm sending off the only copy I have of these things in the mail to a service to do this. How confident am I going to be that I'm going to get these back? And that's absolutely a concern. I haven't, I have no experience with any of them, so I, I can't vouch for anybody. If anyone's listening to this and you have had a good experience, um, I'd love to know about it so that I can at least tell secondhand <laughs> to people right. who ask this question in the future that I know people have had a good experience with, you know, XY company. And so, so let me know if you've done that. That would be really helpful uh, for for future listeners and future questions there. And uh, if we ever do get, it, I'll make sure to update these show notes. You know when those quite those uh, those suggestions come in. But that'd be that'd be really helpful. Okay, so I think I'm going to make the slide snap stuff my doodads of the week this week. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the those most things. You know, when I first saw that, I was just like, especially the slide projector one. Yeah. It was like. Well, number one, it looks so silly, but also just genius because right? they're using the light from the slide projector. Yeah. And it's just uh, the, and the whole thing is just connected. It automatically snaps the camera yep. and it just keeps sliding through. with the, Oh, it's just like, th yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, pretty ingenious. Expensive, but that's awesome. Very expensive. But boy, and, and if you had like... I don't know. Maybe this is like a business opportunity too. You could, yeah. you could totally start offering a service. This would turn you into your capability to to do these, uh, to digitize prints and, and negatives would be really fast. You could you could totally yeah. create a business out of this, but not me. That's that'd be cool. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna be my doodad and totally irresponsible, way out of price, <laughs> never gonna buy it kind of thing. But Brent, what do you have? <laughs> So I can't remember if I've done this in the past or not, but I decided to go with the Defender lens cap. It's There's other manufacturers that do this too, but this ha one happens to be by Polar Pro. Basically, it's a really big old lens cap that kind of wraps around the front end of your lens. Mm -hmm. And the front of these are actually a hard plastic. That's where I think these differ from some others where the whole thing is just the silicone piece. But the front is actually hard plastic. And then the piece that goes over your lens itself and as it wraps around is silicone it doesn't really seal like perfectly so it's not waterproofing type of a seal it just is something that i like putting over when i'm hiking and if i throw that 
that um, throw the camera over my shoulder. I like putting something like this on it because if I happen to bang into a tree or something like that, this is just a little extra more protection for that front element and uh, kind of nice. Very cool. All right. I like it. Uh, we want to remind everyone, masterphotographypodcast.com is where you'll find the show notes. All the links that we talked about, all the different uh, pieces and parts and stuff we've had, there's links to that. If you're interested in doing wet bar scanning, then go hit up the links so you can get all that stuff. Facebook group is Master Photography Podcast. You search for it in Google, or sorry, in Facebook. Google might find <laughs> it too. I don't know. And, uh, and you do have to ask to join. So you got to name a host on the show. It could be anyone who's been on the show in the last few years will be fine. <laughs> so Brent or Jeff, and we'll let you in, but we only want listeners in there. We don't want anyone else. So we get tons of requests to join the group that uh, we're constantly denying because they don't name a host. So that's fine. We're just, we just want listeners in there. And then um, you can, the Instagram account for the show, and I've done a little bit more activity on this, is at Master Photography Podcast. So you can check that out. You can find my work, jsharmanphotos.com, my other podcast, Photo Taco. And for all of you who managed to hang on and listen, I, I imagine most people, once I start into this, just bail. <laughs> but <laughs> but if you're still listening, I am currently working on an episode for uh, for March 16th will be the next Photo Taco episode where I'm doing a ton of testing on the Topaz Denoise AI plugin and desktop app that you can use to deal with noise. And, you know, their claim is artificial intelligence makes this so much better than any of the other solutions that are out there. So I'm going to compare it head to head with what you can do in Lightroom and Photoshop and say, see, is it really something that's, that's dramatically better? If you have a super noisy image, um, is this the the solution to really deal with it the very best? So you, it'll be interesting. I, I've already gone through some of it and I've already learned quite a bit about it. So it's, it's really fun. And if you want to hear about that, then you're going to want to check out Photo Taco Podcast. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links will also be in the show notes. Brent, where can people find you? You can find me at my main site, just my name, brentbergherm.com. And I've also recently announced that I needed to delay my latitude photo school service that i was hoping to bring out here in march basically we're buying a house don't know which one yet but we're in that process and with all the stuff that goes on with that i've delayed it but i also have a giveaway i'm doing I've, i'm doing a survey so if you type in latitudephotographyschool.com you'll be taken to a special page on my website and there's a little link there for a survey that i'm doing and uh if if by by april 15 is the deadline uh, fill out that information and you could potentially win a Photocross 15 from Think Tank Photo. So I've got a Photocross 15 to give out for people who are going to enter that survey. Uh, of course, that's good for U.S. mailing addresses only. Uh, LatitudePhotographyPodcast.com is the show notes for my, for my uh, Latitude podcast. Find me on Instagram, just my name, Brent Bergherm. And I've got a YouTube channel, Brent Bergherm Photography. All those links are in the show notes, so head on over to that and you'll find it there. Excellent. Thank you all so much for listening and for hanging on to the very end of the show. We should put like an Easter egg in the end of a show someday and say, Always, yeah. yeah like, hey, if you made it here, here's the secret thing. We'll have to think about that. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone so much for listening. We'll catch you again in another seven days. 